Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to the Comedy Album Book Club. This is Matt, and if you listened to our last episode, you know we chatted with Just for Last homegrown talent winner Courtney Gilmore about John Mulaney's Kid Gorgeous. She was kind enough to join us once more to talk one-on-one about her experiences as a comedian. Now, please enjoy our interview, and remember, if you liked it, rate and review. Thanks, and keep laughing. Hi, Courtney. Uh, thanks for joining us again. Um, now, you're selected John Mulaney's Kid Gorgeous for our last panel show. What about uh, that album made you select it? Um, I mean, I selected it because John Mulaney, first of all, is just probably one of my favorite comedians, if not my top favorite, just because... Not just but because, but he is such a strong writer, and I really connect mm-hmm. to his style. And so when I saw Kid Gorgeous, I heard it, and it was just, I found it absolutely, like, brilliant and smart from beginning to end. I didn't feel any lows, and I was just, like, riveted the entire time. So I was just in awe of that kind of talent and how masterful he is just with words and the joke structure and everything. I loved it. So out of all his specials and all his uh, albums, that one, that one definitely um, struck a chord with me. It really feels like it kind of carries you from beginning to end. Like, like everything served, every word, every joke, every, even the tossaway lines really felt like they served a purpose when I was watching that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I mentioned this before, like he he there's no fat. Like he's just he condenses all his jokes. He everything is there for a reason. There's no misplacement. Everything is funny where it's supposed to be funny. Everything is set up perfectly. It's all amazing. It's just it's mm-hmm. it's so flawless to me. Do you, do you have a favorite bit from the album or the special? Um I like I like the bit about, I mean, it's so hard, it's so hard to choose just because it's all so good. I mean, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll say a couple. I really liked when he's talking about um, school assemblies in elementary school and having guest speaker, speakers come in. That was probably one of my favorites where he's talking yeah. about 
having the woman with the straight gray hair uh, <laughs> come in. That's really funny to me. And then I also loved his joke that he did a callback to later when he said that his mom, the first joke that he got, that he launched into at the beginning where he's talking about how his mom has seen a ghost and his, his childhood house was haunted. And she would see a, a woman or a child in a Victorian gown running around the house, and then he calls back to it later. It's so funny. That one is. Oh, and that 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 callback was so unexpected, yeah. which just made so it land good. that much better. Yeah. yeah because, I mean, like a, a callback, you know, I, I kind of expected it sooner, but that was so much later in the set. It just yeah. like knocked it out of the park. Yeah, it was yeah. perfect. It was so much later. You had forgotten about it entirely. It was perfect. Yeah. Are there other <laughs> comedians that you found influential or inspirational in, in your own work? Yeah, there are so many. Um, I guess when I think about it, sometimes I resonate with certain comics because of the similarities in our style, but mm -hmm. I definitely feel that some of my favorites are my favorites because they are so different from me. Um, either they're doing something that I wish I could do or they're doing something that I know is not even within my range to do, but I respect it so much. Um, yeah. For example, I really admire uh, Rory Scoville. He is mm -hmm. uh, one of my favorite comedians, and I saw him... I mean, I've seen him a, a number of times, but the time that really sticks out in my mind was last... Not this past year, but the year before, 2018, or 2017, uh, just for the last 42, I saw mm. him. And it was an unbelievable performance. Like, we were laughing so hard that it was almost annoying how hard we were <laughs> laughing because we were, like, in physical pain. He was just amazing and so gifted, just yeah, just so gifted and uh, such a high-energy performer. And um, he was talking about a few topics that I had never heard him address before, like religion. And yeah. um, he has this hilarious bit about <laughs> – he, he has such an amazing way of simplifying really large concepts. Like he was talking about how – it's so it's really weird to believe in God because it's it's so hard to grasp that after all this time, God just can't get over the apple situation. <laughs> That's so funny to me. I died laughing at that. And yeah. uh, for someone who grew up super religious, um, that really clicks with me. So I really love Rory Scovel. Um, Mark Forward similarly is a Mm -hmm. Really eclectic performer. He's amazing to watch. Uh, I love Deanne Smith, Tignataro. Yeah, there are so many faves. Excellent. Now, you mentioned growing up Christian, um, and I, I read somewhere where you had had some exposure to Christian comedy uh, yeah. growing up. Uh, our, our, we previously had a guest, Adam Bailey, who is a son of a preacher, and yeah. that he had a, listened to a lot of Christian stand-up as a, as a kid. Have you found, and for him, he found it influenced his writing today, although he doesn't write from the same place. He found some of that has seeped into his writing style. Have you, have you found yeah. that at all? I think a little bit. I think you can't really help the way your writing is shaped when you've grown up around a specific atmosphere like it's sort of mm -hmm. it's like yeah like yeah, I think that's a good way to phrase it like it seeps into your writing and the way you just you know the way you think about things and yeah I mean I definitely I 
I, I don't. I wouldn't say that like Christian stand-up comedy was a circuit that I was heavily involved in. I definitely knew about it when I was starting. Mm-hmm. I did start with like within the church, sort of. Like I was doing church fundraisers. There is a really great comic out in Saskatchewan, and I I don't know if he's done just for laughs. He might have, but he's he's pretty well known for even just being a, a clean comedian. And he did like uh, vice did a documentary a year ago about um, religion and comedy. And he was in it. So his name is Leland Klassen. And he was sort of my favorite mm-hmm. or not my favorite. He was like my um, comedy dad getting started because he gave me a chance <laughs> to perform at this event at a church when I, it was like one of my first times performing. So yeah, I guess writing jokes, while I was still in that headspace was very much like mm-hmm. writing clean and writing very short, punchy jokes. Yeah. Uh, a, a little bit, a little bit cheesy, a little bit too cheesy for my style now. Um, mm-hmm. That's not, that's not to say that it's all, you know, cheese, but because there are such rigid parameters in content, um, you're sort of forced to, think of comedy in more of a, a limiting view so you know you're you're pulling yeah. from talking about church or talking about food or whatever but yeah I'm sure I'm sure it influenced me I still tend to write a little bit more clean um but I definitely enjoy I think my taste in comedy has still remained on that path even but maybe to like a higher level like I still appreciate clean comics like for example um I really like Nate Bargazzi mm-hmm. and he's clean and he's Christian too um but he's more mainstream and it's not like he hasn't limited himself to like the Christian market he's been on you know yeah. the tonight show and everything so yeah now, is that what inspired you to do the freshen so fresh and so clean uh, night that you do with uh, newer Hadidi? Sort of. It definitely came natural to me to gravitate towards clean comedy, but it was sort of a combination between being familiar with clean comedy and also mm-hmm. noticing that there was a lack of it in the city as a show format. Yeah. So, I de- yeah, and I think I was still in the like I was still in my first couple of years of comedy, and I wanted there to be a because sh- I I was pretty conflicted for a while living in the city and having family who would always who don't really understand how comedy works, and so they'd always be begging to come see me, and I was like, no, there's no <laughs> way in hell that you're gonna come to a comedy show and like enjoy your like I would be too nervous for you because I know. There's so so many comics out there that you would absolutely hate. Um, So I think I, yeah, I think part of me wanted to create a show where, yeah, comedians of all, of all styles could come and like practice a set for a corporate gig or practice a set for a showcase set. But I could also invite my friends and family from back home and that could be like the go-to show for them to come and see if they wanted to. Excellent. Now, do you find um, like that the, the restriction of working blue? Do you find that or working clean as opposed to working blue? Do you find that sort of helps almost uh, challenge the comedian to make a, a better joke at times? Um. Yeah, in a way, it's definitely 
It's definitely a challenge for sure. I would be a little bit reticent to say that it challenges to challenges you to write a better joke only because um it's hard to write a joke at all. It doesn't matter yeah. whether it's clean or blue. It's just hard to write a good joke. And that doesn't really, mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't really matter. But because people are not used to having boundaries and parameters, for sure there's that extra tier of challenge where you're thinking, okay, I have limits now and I have taboo words that I can't touch. So how do I craft this sentence without using the word fuck and still punch and still have it deliver the punch that it usually gets so yeah there's definitely that roadblock and I think a lot of comedians who come on the show definitely describe it as a writing challenge but it's not so much Mm -hmm. that it's about writing better jokes it's just about writing as good jokes to to be performed for just a different audience that they're not used to so more about stretching your boundaries and stretching your creative skills and, yeah, exactly. and tackling it in a different way. Cool. Now, um, you have an upcoming Comedy Network special. Um, is there any chance that you might be doing an album as well? Um, I would like to. I have been... I have been talking about it a lot more this year it's starting i i think i've just been waiting for the right time in my career to do that and just in speaking to my colleagues and sort of like observing and you know evaluating the material that i've accumulated so far i think it's making more and more sense to head in that direction soon so yeah Mm -hmm. i think I don't have any concrete plans like this is when it's going to come out. But, yeah, I think in the next year that would be the next the next logical step is to come out with an album. Excellent. Um, now, you've been doing comedy since, I believe, around university that you started. Is that correct? Yes. When you're, yes. And uh, you won the homegrown competition at Just for Laughs in Montreal. You've played in both Toronto and Montreal's Just for Laughs festivals, as well as Winnipeg and Halifax Comedy Festivals, and doing local and touring stuff. Like, How do you find the Toronto comedy world compares to that in other cities? Do you find it a little bit more welcoming or a little bit more standoffish? Because I know some rooms like... Uh, the Rivoli, for example, have a reputation of being a hard room and Toronto yeah. audiences being a little cold. Uh, do, you, yeah. do you find is that more of a myth or or is that a fact that Toronto is <laughs> a, a hard place to play? I mean, okay, it's not it's not a myth in that specific con in that specific instance of the Rivoli. And I love playing the Rivoli, but I definitely find that that room can be a little bit cold. However, I don't find it. I don't find. I feel like that's isolated. Like I don't really find mm-hmm. that that's like reflective of Toronto as a scene. But yeah, I mean, I compared to other cities, especially touring and being on the road. I feel like Toronto's comedy scene is spoiled in a way in that there are just so many shows per night. There are so many opportunities to really sharpen your skills and cut your teeth. Mm -hmm. And um, I think because Toronto is a tourist type of city, and so there's always so many activities for people to go out and do every night. When they do come to a comedy show, it can be a little bit hit or miss. 
I've had yeah. pretty good um, experiences with like I, 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 for the most part, I feel like I head into certain shows knowing whether or not it's going to be a hot or cold room. Sometimes I'm gravely mistaken, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, comedy bar. If you if you have like a good headliner and it's a good time slot, a, a sold out comedy bar show is almost guaranteed to be pretty good. But um, other other cities, I like getting out of the city. I definitely feel that the smaller towns or just outside of Ontario is a bit warmer. They are a bit more welcoming. Um, if they don't, if they're not oversaturated with comedy, then that's probably a higher chance that they're going to be more receptive to it because it's more of the thing to do that night, whereas Toronto yeah. has a million comedy shows. So, yeah, there, I mean, it's pretty hit or miss wherever you go, but I definitely have enjoyed getting to know different um, scenes. Winnipeg was amazing, and uh, mm-hmm. so was Halifax. Uh, I like doing small towns, you know? It's definitely interesting to kind of gauge, like where they are in their politics, where they are in like their appreciation for certain styles of humor. It's really great yeah. for that. But yeah. I, I grew up in Cambridge, which is like right next to Waterloo. And uh, I still remember the first time I ever went to a comedy club. It was the Yuck Yucks next, like right by the university of Waterloo. And uh, it, it was funny because like the, the audience, it was almost like a college gig every night because the university students from Laurier and Waterloo would just always go to that, that, that venue. And uh, so, I mean, that it, it's interesting. Like, like you said, it's like venues can be so different even within the same, within blocks of one another. Yeah, yeah that's really true. Yeah. It's interesting because, I wasn't uh, I wasn't with Yuck Yucks when that Yuck Yucks in Kitchener was there, um, mm-hmm. and I grew and I grew up in Kitchener Waterloo, and I've only started to do more comedy gigs in that area within the past two years, and I can't mm-hmm. seem to really cra- crack them yet. Like there are some the student shows are usually pretty good, and then mm-hmm. you and then like for instance like I have a show coming up at the Registry Theater and. I'm a little bit nervous because I did a show there once and it was just like, I don't know what you people want. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't, I, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a weird area. The entire KW Cambridge area, it's a, it's a, it's a weird mix because you've got some rural elements and you've got some city elements. So it's sort of like a jumble in a way that a city like Toronto isn't. Yeah. But so. then, but then you have, place like Guelph which is not too far off at all and they are no. also um, a student heavy city and that place is amazing for comedy like it's so yeah. good all the time so it's so interesting now, now what's what's the strangest gig that you've ever played like most unusual venue or weirdest kind of uh, thing that's come up strangest um Okay, well, I did. I did a uh, a, a nudist resort that was pretty unconventional. Outside the city, a little bit. It was a nudist resort, so we had to be naked, telling jokes to naked people. Uh, that was, That's like that the thing of nightmares. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was. I mean, it wasn't, but like conceptually, it is. But it was fun. Yeah. But it was. Um, yeah, it was interesting, and you know, because it wasn't. 
it wasn't sexualized or anything. It was like people who were there to be nude as like a belief system rather than like <laughs> yeah. a sexual thing. So you have families there. Um, so like front row, you'd have a naked family and there, and there were kids there. There were children there. Yeah. Um, so that was a little bit taxing. Uh, and then I did a show at a sex club at Oasis Aqua Lounge. Okay, that, yeah. That was uh, similar in theme, but very different because the vibe was hypersexualized. Um, <laughs> so it's like two extremes of, of the same of, exactly. of, of sexuality. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, those were like those were two pretty crazy shows. And then I did a show on a Saturday afternoon uh, outside uh, in outside in a park a Popeyes parking lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as part of like a street festival. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, yeah I, I still remember back in the early days of Nuit Blanche, um, I used to help a sort of combi burlesque troupe and doing sound and stuff. And uh, playing outdoors is a, is, is a challenge at the best of times. Like you, see, yeah. you, you, you don't know how you're carrying you, and sometimes they, like the laughs can get lost. Unless you're they're really yeah. yeah, exactly. It can be it can be done, but it has to be done really well. It has to be like organized and produced by a comedian who knows how to factor in all the inevitable variables that are gonna stand in your way. Like I did a show with Jordan Poise last summer that actually mm-hmm. went off without a hitch and it was outside and we were all so like pleasantly surprised by how it turned out, but it was great. Um, but then I've done plenty of other street festivals where it was just a nightmare. So yeah, it depends yeah. on who's organizing it. Now, um, switching tack a bit here, during uh, JFL 42 this year, you had a sign interpreter working with you. Um, yeah. Did you did you cha- did that change your set at all, or how you're delivering things? How how was that experience? It was incredible because um, I've worked with ASL interpreters before, and they they largely um, like they're very hard to book because mm-hmm. they don't a lot of them don't really like doing comedy because it's very difficult, and I yeah. under, understandably so. Like comedy is so, you know, it's it's lightning fast and it's you know, changing up your verbiage on the spot and it's crowd work and it's riffing. And then, you know, a lot of us use, um, we use sort of our own diction, make up words. Like there's just so many things that make it hard to, uh, you know, do sign language in real time and have it be effective. Mm-hmm. But this gr- this uh, woman uh, who I found through um, DJ Demers recommended her to me um and he works with her uh okay. jennifer Luce. she's incredible she's so great she just well versed in comedy and i think it helps that she is a comedy fan herself mm-hmm. and so she knows how it works and she just would i didn't even have to give her a transcript like she just would come to the show and she would just go and she yeah. it, it also really helped like i got so many so much positive feedback from her, from 
the audiences at every show that she was at because she, like she's such a performer herself. Like she would yeah. perform comedy as if she was the comedian, and people yeah. love that. Was like, yeah, I, I, I was at the one show at the the comedy bar, and it it just yeah. felt like she was emoting so much. It really carried yeah. through like subtext and nuance that you had in your jokes that yeah. I mean, I know a little bit of ASL and, uh, and not a lot anymore, but it's just, it just, it could care. It, it really carried through when she was uh, working. With yeah. yeah. I think it's really, I think everything that she does um, is so important to comedy and she's able to express the exact emotions and uh, she'll be able to perform them. Um, She's Mm. she's just, uh, you know, she's really good at what she does. And I think that really translates well. I mean, you, you see people like, um, I don't know if you've seen um, Eminem's ASL interpreter, but he has one. Um, You should look up her. There's a video of her. He has this ASL interpreter that you can tell is like, a hardcore Eminem fan. Like, she's rapping as if she's rapping, you know? It's almost like she doesn't even know that anyone else is there. And um, that's the vibe that I always got from Jennifer. And I just, I have good chemistry with her, so we're able to play with each other. And uh, it makes delivering my jokes more fun because I know there are going to be certain things that I say that she's going to make so much funnier uh, just by the sign. And, um... Yeah, so it's incredible for that reason and to be able to play, you know, being an amputee, not having hands, and then having a pair of hands on stage with you is always so funny and so good. But, um, yeah, it was really cool that I was able to invite people um, who are deaf and hard of hearing to come and enjoy the show because, you know, otherwise there are so few opportunities for people with disabilities to enjoy live comedy. Yeah. Now, um, you... Again, switching tack a little bit here, uh, you have your Dreamlake campaign that you've been running, and you're going to be climbing the CN Tower in a few days. Um, Can you tell? Yeah, tell me about like how's training going, and and how is how is prepping for that? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah, I feel pretty good. I definitely don't regret it at all. Um, No, I'm I'm I'm. I'm pretty excited. This will be my fourth time doing it, but my first time doing it with my new leg, and I'm mm-hmm. pretty pumped. Um, I, yeah, I think it's going pretty well. Like, I've been working with um, a personal trainer since June, just, like, working out once a week, and I think that will significantly um, – boost my my stamina this year because I hadn't been I hadn't even barely been working out at all the past three times that I've climbed so I'm hoping that will like give me some extra strength there but uh I'm excited like it's not like it's a personal challenge like nobody is asking me to climb the CN Tower this is all my personal you know just something that I wanted to do and um it's a good chance for me to um use my new leg for, you know, something mm-hmm. it was meant to do. So, yeah, it's fun. I'm excited. I have a couple of other comedians who are going to come with me, and uh, it's going to be fun. Excellent. Excellent. Now, um, just to, to wrap up, if people wanted to catch your performances, uh, uh, where where can they find you? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's probably easiest. I post all my show dates, like, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, so they can follow me. Um at Court Gilmore on Twitter and Courtney J. Gilmore on Instagram. And, you know, Courtney, I have a Facebook page, Courtney Gilmore on Facebook. 
And um, yeah, I post all my my stuff there. I'm on the Yuck Yucks website. Um, I've been t- I'm going to be touring around doing Niagara Falls uh, in December. And yeah, they want to follow me. Probably best you know follow me online, and I'll post all my stuff and everything I'm up to. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you very much for for taking the time to to chat with us a bit more. And uh, you know, good luck on your climb. I mean, I know that's something that. I keep saying, oh, one of these days I'm going to do it, and I still haven't. And uh, I think it would probably kick my ass if I tried. Uh, so I'm, I'm really, I'm like in awe of what you're doing there. So, uh, you know, kick ass on that. And uh, thank, thanks for chatting with us. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. <laughs> For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.